long day I got a lot to say It feels like I'm carrying a two-ton weight I go see a friend Hello, I'm Monsignor Patrick Winslow. And I am Father Matthew Kauth. And we are speaking from the rooftop. A podcast brought to you by Tan Books, in which we invite you to join our conversation out here in the open air. Where we look out upon the world around us from the rooftop of the church and share with you what we see. Makes me Well, hello there. Greetings, Father Winslow. How are you? I'm well. How about yourself? I am doing well in this third day in the season of the desert. (laughs) Now, let's put this into perspective. It's a liturgical season. It is. Not an actual reality beyond a liturgical season. We are not actually meriting our salvation. Are you trying to... I am just putting everything into context that this is, you know, not the spiritual. No, no, no one ever said we're meriting anything. I know, but some people. Merit is part of the game. Well, I'm not saying it isn't. Not part of salvation, but it's certainly part of the game. I'm just simply saying, you know, some people, especially, you know, young types, not like you, but young and uh, enthusiastic, will, you know, have a long laundry list of things they're going to do, things they're not going to do. And they're going to just whip it all together, and uh, they're going to be spiritually united to the cross of our Lord, which is great. I don't know why you need to reserve that for Lent. You know, there should be because the church reserves it for Lent on some no. level of more intensification. Because there's yeah, the, well, that's true. The, it's the, a time of the renewal. opposite side of sanguines that say, "I don't want to be like those cholerics that actually do something during Lent. I will <sighs> just be kind." I will just choose every day what I'm going to yes, do because, as the wind blows. Because the cholerics prefer to be a loveless, sorrowing group Not lot. On, on the contrary. Uh-huh. All of us, all of us are attempting, all jokes aside, um, to do something quite simple. That is to say, everything in the course of a year that was unessential um, somehow becomes essential for us. In other words... Oftentimes, the things that we genuinely enjoy, the things that we take our comfort in, they tend to take without being checked, a kind of center stage. And that's sort of the point, right? That looking at all the various things in one's life and saying, I didn't realize that that thing became essential to me. I didn't realize it became center stage when it was just something that I genuinely appreciated, genuinely enjoyed, what have you. But the kinds of penances that I think that are, at least for a normal healthy choleric are to say, what are the ways in which Christ is not the center? Um, and so the church enjoins upon us three kinds of penances, which are prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. So doing something in each of those categories. I don't know about you, Father, but when I was in the parish, every single time this season rolled around and I asked people to consider what they were going to do, what the Lord wanted them to do to unite themselves to him during this season, and I said, it doesn't mean that you're giving up chocolate. That's, that's fine when you're five. Every single head, almost every single head, looked around and either laughed at someone that they knew or put their head mm-hmm. down. So is that you, Father? Are you giving up chocolate? Is that what you're doing for Lent? You're asking me? <laughs> I would not put chocolate on a chopping block. That is heaven. That is just too heavenly to give up, even during Lent. 
No, actually, in all seriousness, I was asked uh, recently did a television interview, which is typical this time of year. Yeah. We get some people from the local media and local news that want to talk to a priest. They call the diocese here and want to have someone on the show to talk about the meaning of Ash Wednesday, Lent. It'll happen again during Holy Week and, mm-hmm. and Easter, which is great. It's wonderful. Uh, we're really glad to be able to to, to talk to through the local media outlets to the people who are listening that we might not otherwise be able to speak to. Uh, but in a way of offering a very quick explanation, I put it this way. I, I think that through the course of a year, we quite simply drift. Yep. It's a bit of a nautical analogy, I suppose. Uh, we're sort of setting a sail and we'll drift a little bit of our course and we have to kind of take out those instruments the way Shackleton and his team did. And uh, <laughs> line, it, line it up. I, well, we were, Shackleton. Well, that's true. <laughs> talking about pain. They lived a penitential existence for quite a number of years there. But they, to take out sort of the instruments, if you will, check it up against you know the light of the gospel to see where you're currently standing and how you have to navigate back on course uh, and the types of things that you can do to to bring you there. I think that those are some of the better penances, right, that are tailor-made yeah. uh, that can help you navigate back back on course. So the types of penances for a choleric would be different, say, than the type of penances for a sanguine person or a phlegmatic person. Uh, you know, all of those things could be tailor-suited. Tailor uh, so it might be harder, for example, someone who's a choleric, uh, somebody who's, you know, already g- driven toward discipline uh, to do something that isn't in that lane that is a little more freewheeling. Like, for example, I remember talking to you at one point years ago where you decided when you would eat based upon circumstances. Mm-hmm. So you as a, you are not willfully, control. you are not in control, right? And I would imagine that's hard for someone who's more of a choleric to be not in the driver's seat. Um, Whereas that might be easier for a phlegmatic person or something like that. Yeah, one of those times it was the first year we had the seminary going, which was really interesting because I had, you know, I had the first class of seminarians with us, and one of the things that we did, we 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 did eat at regular times, but I, I think I started this with you at St. Thomas, but then in a different vein, and then when I got to the seminary, we did something that was rather trusting, as it were, in divine providence. We we had a pantry full of food. As a little room but the normal stock and trade things you'd have in a home and we decided we were not going to go to the grocery store during Lent mm. um, which was really really interesting because at first you're, you're like whatever it's fine there's plenty of food in the pantry yeah you get back to basics pretty quickly <laughs> you, you, all of a sudden you go into you want to make a recipe or you want to cook a dinner like mm. I don't have any of that I don't have any of that and you keep running out of things right until you're down to eating things that you would have sat there until the nuclear holocaust was over That's because right. we never would have eaten them right um but then we ran out we simply ran out and it was you know one of those things as a as a leader thinking am I bringing these guys into some a bad choice here. I mean, obviously, I can. I, it's not desperate. I can run out and go to the store if we have to. Yeah. Um, but we tried it, and a couple times we were hungry. Um, mm-hmm. But ninety-nine times out of a hundred, 
what happened was someone would just stop by with something or all of a sudden, you know, the, the local parish had a big thing and then they were, they had all this leftover food and they was, do you want this food? Like the guys were, of course, like, we'll eat anything. <laughs> it's going to be like Lord of the Flies when that, <laughs> when that dish rises in the house. Yeah. So that was a fun one just to trust in divine providence. Yeah. And I think the club, I think that some of the penances that are clever are actually, they work better yeah. uh, because it involves more of you in a creative way rather than, oh, I'm just doing this again. Yeah, and there might be some distinctions to make relative to, are you doing a, a kind of prayer, fasting and almsgiving to feel the pinch, to identify with the sufferings of Christ, to actually suffer with him as it were? Or are there certain things you're choosing because they simply need to go forever? It's like, I'm not, right. I want to change the course here, yeah. genuinely change the course, um, such that when I get to Easter, that habit is actually lost mm -hmm. of whatever the thing is, or can be now at least curtailed uh, from becoming um, something of, a, of an obsession. I think that I, I've always approached Lent, you know, as a bit of an Olympics, um, as training mode. And, and there's something to be said for that. And I think that the older I get, and perhaps maybe on some level, the, the less um, inclined that I am to do that, I'm trying not to avoid doing that, but it 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 had a it had a way of creeping up on me, thinking to myself, "Oh no, it's coming! Right. Oh no, it's coming!" Rather than looking forward to it. Rather than looking forward to it, and when one does approach it in such a way that I'm only in this life, especially as a priest, um, because I want to know and love Jesus Christ. That's why I got into this in the first place. Yeah. So if, if I can do things during this season that are actually going to assist me to know and love Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. then that I should look forward to that and not be something that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm dreading. On, I'm, I'm yeah, I mean, it's an opportunity to get back to basics, to, you know, reacquaint yourself with the purpose, to adjust for the drift uh, that's occurred over the, you know, since last, last Lent and Easter. You know, those things are, I think, important. We constantly need to begin again. We constantly need to, to do that cyclic process of evolving and growing uh, so that we can become more whom God created us to be. And that's never going to stop. That shouldn't yeah. stop, uh, regardless of our age or measure of perfection or lack thereof. I mean, that's an ongoing process. And, and in a certain sense, the liturgical year reminds us of that because it's cyclic. It's yeah, circular. Sure. We're not repeating this just to go, you know, to, because some people were held back a grade and we're all doing it again, right? We're doing this because every <laughs> one of us needs to repeat it because every one of us wants to advance a little more. And because uh, doing it again and again and again helps us all move forward a little bit more. Yeah, and I think that we, we all kind of catch the fact that, that Advent uh, is, a, is a time of a sort of preparation for a particular feast. I'm not sure we always associate Lent hmm. with the fact that you're actually preparing to celebrate the mysteries of your, of your redemption. Yeah. And that's, if there's anything worthy of celebrating, it is that, that I right. actually have been and am being currently saved. And you can't, it's a strange thing how you, you actually have to prepare to celebrate something. Like we understand it, a, a, perhaps a bit easier when it comes to the thought of decorations like 
you know, Advent. Because in a couple months, you and I will start decorating it again for Christmas. Of course. <laughs> Slowly, but surely. Um, you can kind of understand it, right? Things, the music, the, the sights, yeah. the sounds. Whereas Lent is, is barren. There's nothing to actually prepare except you. Um, and that's a bit of a harder thing, harder thing to prepare. But don't you find it interesting that prayer is lumped in, you know, with fasting and other penances and sacrifices and almsgiving? Because <laughs> I actually look forward to, and I am grateful for this. I look forward to redoubling my efforts yeah, in my prayer life. Mm-hmm. That, that that's a place. Where I'm, I'm nourished. Yeah, um, and I, you know, it's taken a long time. I think the course of my life, where I, I can say that I wish I had more time. Yeah, uh, rather than say, oh, I've done what I need to do today, uh, relative to prayer. Yeah, but I wish I had more time or quality time, right? Because sometimes, you know, when <laughs> when you reach the end of the day, there's no quality time left. No, the no, brain is mush. Yeah, the body is saying, "Just stop." The, the, you know. Do you remember in the breviary, there's this reading about about prayer, and it says, "And the best time for prayer is before bed because the mind is quiet <laughs> and ready for attention." Like, are you kidding? Yeah, me? that's the worst. <laughs> I can't remember which spiritual author that was, but maybe yeah. he wasn't a saint. Maybe he didn't make it. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe he, he did. Oh, that's why he was a saint. <laughs> uh, yeah, God only knows. Absolutely. No, yeah. I, I agree with you. I. I, as a matter of fact, most of my penances, in some ways, are are an attempt to to jettison certain things that are unessential, and to carve out um, space in which I can actually spend more time doing that. Right, and that's that's the part that you look forward to. Yeah. Right. For me, it's like okay, that's that's what I that's that's a gift. It's a gift. That's a gift. Yeah, that and, and it makes sense, right? I mean, the Lord doesn't say, go sell all you have and sit in the dust. Right. Go sell all you have and follow me. Like, the whole reason we're doing the X, Y, and Z is because mm-hmm. I want the A. I want I want Him. And so those things are supposed to make me available, not just time-wise, but also attention-wise, free-wise, et cetera, to be able to, to pray better, which I think most people experience on any natural level when they're fasting more, um, even in the secular realm. People talk about it as having greater levels of concentration, having more control over the body in that sense. But it certainly does prepare you to to pray well. I think that some people, when they hear the word prayer, they think of the sacrifice of prayer, which there is that, right? So we... In terms of sacrifice of time or... Sacrifice of time, attention, um, and, and maybe in some cases... You have ritual formulas mm-hmm. and their offerings, yeah. right? You're like a living votive lamp uh, with your words, your mind, your heart, your thoughts. And that can seem like work because by the nature of it being a sacrifice of prayer, it is something like work. It is the sacrifice that is being offered. But I think when you and I talk about prayer, maybe we take something for granted that most other people uh, don't think the same way. Because when we talk about prayer, yes, we have our obligations relative to the divine office. We have certain devotions like the rosary and other things that we keep uh, as part of the fabric of our day. Uh, We have time spent in front of the Blessed Sacrament. But 
it's truly in the time of meditation and contemplation where it's a bit of an oasis in a desert. It's a place of refuge. Uh, It is a place of nourishment and of strength. And it's that that you're always wanting to get back to. Because I I would say that the divine office a lot of times is a sacrifice of prayer. It is... An, it is something to which I'm committed by virtue of my order, my orders, right. the promise I made at, ord, at ordination, the faithful. and I'm praying this for the faithful, whether I feel like it or not, and whether or not these psalms are resonating with me personally. Totally irrelevant. This is what I do as a priest, as a sacrifice of prayer. And, but when I can get to that space where it's my time, where it's me praying with God, yeah. It's uh, it really kind of goes back to some of the analogies that Peggy Charles Peggy and the Portal of Mystery of Hope, that poem that you know I got tuned onto years ago when we were in seminary about that relationship between prayer and sleep, and there's there's a sort of rest. Is there a difference for, for you? <laughs> <laughs> we have friends. We won't name them because we've been rebuked <laughs> for naming him too many times. But no. prayer and sleep are practically synonymous. But but I don't mean, I mean it as an analogy, not as a synonym. Um, you know, the, the, where the body finds rest in sleep, the soul finds rest in prayer. Right, right. And that rest is so important that I can't imagine not having it. But it did take a while, I would say, you know, through sure. formation to, build that to, to, to develop and the habit and so on. The but I'm not sure that people are hearing when we say the word prayer, yeah. that type of prayer. No, I think that in general, I mean, most people use the word prayer for what where the word comes from, which is a, a kind of asking. Yeah. You know, that I'm... I'm you I see pray it, the... Yeah. You see it when you when you come into the parish, right? It, as, as a parish priest, you watch the faithful come in. They come in, you know, typically most people will, you know, they'll kneel down for a few seconds. See, see a kind of a rapid routine. sign of the cross yeah. and they got a routine. Yep. Um, some will do it for 30 seconds at most and then just read the bulletin. Um, but those who are t- attempting to actually communicate something to God, what they're typically communicating is their difficulties, their worries, their struggles, and they're asking for grace, which is fantastic. It's petitionary. And mercy. And mercy. It's, it's beautifully petitionary. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that's not the same thing as spending time with him. Communion. In communion, which is what you're saying. Right. And that that does takes a little bit of a little bit of practice as it does mm-hmm. with anyone that you're gonna be in a relationship with. But there's that's the thing that without which I can't imagine living life anymore. Right. The other day we were just one you, of our You can't imagine your soul. I can't imagine. Getting through a day. No. Sorry, the other day you were saying. Well, just again, because it's Lent, right? And yeah. so it was Ash Wednesday. And typically Wednesday night is the night that that we, priests and the faculty, et cetera, um, get together for dinner, which is great. Um, it's a wonderful social event. And some time to spend together fraternally, but we're not, we don't do it during Lent. And as a result, I was in the chapel with the rest of the men. And I, have, I never go on Wednesday because of this dinner. And on Wednesday, it's Lectio Divina after Vespers. So in other words, we spend time simply meditating on the sacred scriptures. 
And it's the only time we do it as a communal body because I'm never there on Wednesday. I don't mm. do it with them. I do it, but I don't do it with them. And it's an hour, basically, that we just meditate nice. on the scriptures and 45 minutes. And and I remember I was so excited. It's like, oh my gosh, I get this extra 45 right. minutes of time. And uh, and it was so, it was a pin drop quiet in there. Um, and I never, I never looked at anyone else. I don't know what everyone was doing in terms of their prayer. Uh, whether they're reading the scriptures or just meditating or whatever. But I remember hearing the knock, which is the, the signal to get up. And I thought, I just, ah, what are you talking about? I just got started. <laughs> it was so refreshing. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Isn't and I love time with my, my with my brothers as well. It's not, a, it's not an either or, but yeah, I would certainly, I think both of us are basically saying, we enjoined upon you, if anything, with your penances, to some degree, have them be geared to getting rid of things that distract you from prayer and get some time in prayer. I almost never hear anyone say, what I'm doing for Lent is a holy hour. What I'm right. doing for Lent is reading the scriptures. Or, or stopping by a church yeah. for 15 minutes for 15 every minutes. day, yeah. right? I mean, you can do that. We go to the store for more than 15 minutes exactly. every day. Well, do it on the way day. to the store. But just stop in. And even if the doors are locked, sit in your car yeah. outside that church, put a timer on, clock 15 minutes. Yep. You know, it's not even, you could do 10 if you had to do five. You know, you could increase the time. It's going to be five minutes a day. Then second, third week of Lent, it's going to be 10 minutes a day. Something along those lines. And uh, it will help de- you know, develop the muscle yep. and, and the habit. I do believe when people have an opportunity to enter into a church and breathe the air, that there's something instinctively, something at the level of the soul yep. that makes them want to stay yep. uh, and uh, and that's why i'm a big proponent of going to a church that doesn't mean you can't pray at home it doesn't mean you can't pray in the car it doesn't mean you can't pray all these places but there's just something about going into the church agreed the same thing about the rosary you know i would say this um if you're trying to cultivate the type of prayer that we're talking about which is more on the level of contemplation and meditation the rosary, I think, one of its great powers, um, among many beyond my sight, but one of its great powers is the ability to take any average person and pull them into a taste of both meditation and contemplation fairly simply. They can, you know, if you follow the recipe, if you will, that is to say, to say the prayers in as a, uh, you know, as words flowing out of your mouth that are using a part of your brain that doesn't interfere with your conscious mind, then it allows for meditation. Mm -hmm. So you can sit there and speak these prayers as a bit of an hourglass that's passing through your fingers as you go from bead to bead, knowing that these are holy and sacred words that are falling off the lips of Our Lady or falling off the lips of Our Lord. And during that time, take the conscious part of your brain and begin with meditation. And then at some point during a meditation, say it's a sorrowful mystery and it's the carrying of the cross, and some point during the meditation, you might just be caught momentarily in a gaze, just a stare. And there you're getting a, a small moment of something like contemplation. Yeah. And then you, then your, your conscious mind can shift maybe to another aspect or another dimension mm-hmm. of the carrying of the cross. Before you know it, ten beads are just you just fly through them right, right. and praying a rosary in a given day 
maybe on the front end when you first start, seems like quite a commitment. But after so much time has passed that you've done it as a matter of habit, it's quick. Yes, uh, indeed. It's just quick. And you get a taste for the contemplation and the meditation. No, it's a good way to put it. I think that, I think one way to, to articulate that in a, from one of the lives of the saints, you know, St. Catherine of Siena, of whom I'm a, a huge fan, she says that, that different kinds of prayer, as everyone would admit, right? When, the, when it comes to vocal prayer, where we're actually saying certain prayers, you know, she says that if you don't intend to say what you're saying, I don't know why you're doing it. <laughs> She's just like, that's not praying. Right. Um, now, on some level, we can make a distinction there and saying, if you're trying, you're doing it, at least you get the merit and right. the, 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 the Lord will shine on you and you're, you're attempting to do something. But she's saying, begin by trying to say what you mean and mean what you say. Um, and then when the soul gets visited, it's a beautiful line, when the soul gets visited, that, that crutch of simply intending to, to, to attend and intend the words that are being spoken, um, when the soul is visited by God, you can begin to slowly let go of the um, the bastone, she says, the uh, the cane or the walking stick, because then the Lord is the one now assisting you. Mm. And then you might even be simply carried um, mm. at some point. But when that ends, if that ends gently, you just pick, you go right back to where you were right. attending to the words. So, you know, and what Father's saying about what you're saying about, what's Father saying about, what you're saying about the, uh, yeah. all of a sudden I was thinking about the faithful listening. Um, <laughs> usually we're just talking to each other. Well, that's right. Um, but I was thinking about them now. What you're saying about the rosary is that that's, that was this thing that only is laden with so many graces by, by our Lord, um, but is that that simple means that everyone has access to. So the greatest of theologians and the, and the simplest of, of persons in a, in a village we all have the same weapon, right. all, all the same means, and it works for everyone. Yeah, it takes something that is really quite elevated, like contemplation, meditation, and just makes it generally yeah. accessible yeah. In, in the form of the rosary and uh, cultivates a, the taste for it. And then, as a result, you might recognize that. So say you pop in a church and say you take a place in a pew and say you just get lost in a stare, uh, looking into the sanctuary, uh, you know, surrounded by hopefully a beautiful church uh, in the presence of our Lord, that stare is not nothing. Not nothing. You know, that's, uh, <laughs> that, that is <laughs> the place you want to be. Right. Uh, and it's not just a, a glazed over look. It's not just a pause of your mind. That is being in the presence of God. Yeah, that's your eternal occupation, hopefully, right? Well, that's right. <laughs> uh, that's something that you're, you're hoping for. And, you know, I wonder how many people have had experiences like that and thought, oh, that stare is a distraction from praying. prayer. Right, I need, I need to open up my devotional book. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm a big fan of, you know, the devotional book and things. And one of the great things about devotional books is that you can be praying against a part of yourself so, you know, sometimes I think prayer is a way of waging war on yourself. So doing the the litany of humility. You said enough like a, like a collar call said. <laughs> well, I'm surrounded by them, so mm. something's about to rub off. Um, you know, praying the prayer of humility. You know, I'm, the better part of me is calling out the worst part of me. Right. And 
you know, and, and I'm doing it in a way uh, to make me feel bad about myself. I'm, I'm doing it in a way. That's what I'm for. Yes, you, know, you do a great job. <laughs> so <laughs> I have that base covered. No, I'm doing it. I'm doing it in a way that calls to mind where my soul wants to be. And when I articulate, in the, say, the litany of humility, there's something liberating that sets me a little more free from those things about which I am fighting to be less prideful. You know. So when you're right. saying, "May I not receive any?" You know, uh, you know, may I not do any good act for its rewards? May I do you know, whatever the litany of it's really. You know, in fact, I wonder if I have it right here on my phone. One of our priest friends gave it to me as a as a um, penance, and I loved it. It was Cardinal Mary Duvall, I think. Right? That's that the one, it. right? Yeah, you know, I, I I do want to say that I have encountered a number of people, lay people that have developed quite a serious prayer life um, and a consistent one at that. And I think that the majority of the time when I ask them, when did you start that? How did you get started? And almost everyone that I can recall, I was just thinking in my mind how many persons I know. And when I asked them that question, it was one thing that they tried to do for Lent. Interesting. That became part of their life that they can't let yeah. go of them. Isn't that something? Yeah. Like this would be a great one, like to pray the litany of humility every day. Mm. Just that. So here I, I I pulled it up on my phone and it's yeah, you're absolutely right. So call them Mary Duval. So oh Jesus, make me humble of heart from the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being loved, deliver me, O Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, from the desire of being honored, from the desire of being praised. From the desire of being preferred to others, from the desire of being consulted, from the desire of being approved, from the desire of being humiliated, or rather, from the fear of being humiliated, from the fear of being despised, from the fear of suffering rebukes, from the fear of being calumniated, from the fear of being forgotten, from the fear of being ridiculed, from the fear of being wrong, from the fear of being suspected. That others may be loved more than I, and, and it goes on. As you read through that litany, it's liberating. Yeah. It's it, it entices you to surrender to the things that are otherwise consuming you in all the wrong ways. Right. Yeah. And that's another you know benefit of prayer. It can be corrective in that way. Yeah. No, I think just to just to include my my thought on the matter is that we all love our devotions. We all have the prayers that we love the most. We all have just don't make it the uh, the object. Right? Don't yeah. make it the objective to get through a list. Right. We had a father and I had a wonderful guy that was in seminary with us. I remember every morning he would stack his books up to get through his devotionals, and it it probably took an hour, hour and a half. It's a job just to get. It's yeah. like getting the work done. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that there's not some merit in that, but at the end of the day, I, I think there's a, an awful lot more benefit of being a bit more like a child that sits on your lap and, and you know, when, when children want your attention and they grab your face with both their hands and they're like, look mm -hmm. at me mm -hmm. when you're trying to do something else. And that's the kind of thing that we're trying to grab. It's not that God isn't 
isn't looking at us, but we're not really looking there. And so to, to grab both of our hands in prayer and to say, I'm going to look at you and you're going to look at me and mm-hmm. we're going to talk to each other. Right. I think that five seconds of that is is worth you know, with so much more any than more amount. And yet the devotions can become springboards for that. What, right. what you were just saying about the living of humility. Um, wow, talk about a self-examination, as you say, the better part of me trying to drag up and ask for grace for the for the worst part of me. And it, it opens up all kinds of topics about which you can speak to God. <laughs> it's like being cleansed yeah. as the words pass over yeah. you. And that's, uh, you know, truly another, another function, another way in which, you know, prayer can be truly healing you know he stopped that prayer because that last line he had written in there i saw on his sheet it said from the desire of being like cow deliver me O lord oh i say that prayer every time <laughs> you don't have the desire <laughs> anyway yeah well get started get started on yes. your holy lent and have God a good have life pre- persevere truly you know the spirit of joy because you know it's getting back to the basics it's readjusting it's taking the opportunity to, to double down, you know, and some of the, the, the harder disciplines are, it's, it's like going to the gym. It's uh, building up that, that muscle of virtue and trying to attack the, the vices. And so those things are, those things are great. But it's not, it's not to build up the muscle to stand in front of the mirror. No. <laughs> well, the type of mirror you want to stand in front of, you know, when it comes God. to virtue is definitely not the physical mirror. Uh, you'll lose the war when it comes to a physical oh, mirror. The but the spiritual mirror will always get better. It can always get better. Amen. You can always get better. Amen. All right. God bless you all. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of From the Rooftop. For updates about new episodes, special guests, and exclusive deals for From the Rooftop listeners, sign up at rooftoppodcast.com. And remember, for more great ways to deepen your faith, check out all the spiritual resources available at tanbooks.com. And we'll see you again next time. From the Rooftop. Rooftop.